Hey, it's not no. It's, him and let him count. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell the the entire uh, podcasting listening audience right now that this is not a word. This isn't a kayfabe. This is a a natural mente, a formation, or a combination of three different artists. One, I mean, I'm one. Okay. That's your countdown. Is it a count of one? The countdown is a count of we are recording right now. Are we? Yeah, this is the, that's the countdown. I mean, like, I'm just telling you what it is right now. I just, I said, it's time to record. Look. Okay, so that, is on first? that was your, that was your um, message of intent to start the count. But when do you actually start recording? Uh, you actually start counting because I know after the count you start recording. Look, like maybe, like maybe, mm, I'm going to say at the most 12 seconds. I started recording. One. Beforehand. Two. No, okay. you're, it's, it's but, meow. Meow one. Meow one, but I lost I lost count, okay, guys? I mean, look, I mean, we're, we're all art cartoonists here, and I want to introduce the entire gang. The, alt, yeah. the alt, alt-core fucking comics, geek, whatever. What do you want to call ourselves? The fucking, the things that are beneath, we are beneath buff jock jerks that are bullies. You know what? We are... More or less, the eternal victims of the of the men who are stronger than us, who can just totally dominate us at the gym. That doesn't sound negative at all. No, it all doesn't, right? Bad. I mean, so we are indie comics. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! I'm just having fun. I'm having fun. Yeah. No, like, man, your interview with Alex was so much more positive. Man, I'm I'm having fun, man. I'm just like, okay, we're having fun. I'm I'm like, I'm having, I want to like strike into the the fucking, the charcoal, the deep, dark, like ugliest bit of us. We're having fun for like 30 minutes. It's true, yeah. Right? Uh, Wait, what? All the fun, all the fun stuff we said, like when we start the podcast. Yes. It's only getting funner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, this is this is what this is what I think. I think that like okay, I may go dark, but I'm like we gotta go dark. We go really light, like we were in the pre. Uh, what's what's like the pre-interview? Okay, we're doing the audition on the casting okay. couch. I'm and ten dollars that he's not recording yet. And no, I totally am. No, I'm. Uh, how many minutes are we into it? I gotta look into the fucking computer system, and it says that we are. I have to fucking re-log into the system. It's, it says that we have only been recording for two minutes and 53 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was, a lot of, there was a lot of nonsense in between the good shit and what's going on now. So this is the real shit. Yeah, I think that, like, we actually are, like, in, like, possibly the realest shit that we can get into at the moment. I mean, as, like, like, we all know each other. We know, like, what we, yeah. what we do. But, yeah. like... I think Let's now let the audience out there know us because they're going to hang right. They're going to switch the dial over to the over to the FM radio. Nobody listens to radio anymore. They're going to they're going to switch over to, to the Christina Aguilera 24 hour uh, 24 hours a day station if we don't get to something good quick. 
Uh, I mean, I don't think so because, I mean, really, if they were even here to begin with in the first place, they wouldn't care about uh, Christina Aguilera. They wouldn't care about The Voice. They wouldn't care about uh, 90 Day Fiancé, even though I also watch 90 Day Fiancé. And I also follow The mm-hmm. Voice and all these other – and even The Masked so Singer. you're saying you care about that, but the audience shouldn't? Uh, I'm just saying, like, I don't really care about it, but I'm subjected to it, so I'm aware of it. I know it exists, and I like, kind of, like – am subjected to it like not really as my my, my preferred subjection of, of media but like I come across this stuff in my life so, so it's like peripheral or adjacent but not you're directly seeking out 90 day fiance yeah 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 okay so, I just want to on the record just in case but hey ju- but just just in case if it's martial law the other way and they say that you must insist on like watching fucking 90 Day Fiancé, I'll say, yeah, I was definitely a big 90 Day Fiancé guy. I only know that that show exists because so many cartoonists have made cartoons about binging 90 Day Fiancé. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, I think that soon that you two... Uh, I mean, if you got like the Netflix or the fucking the Hulu or the Zulu or the fucking all the other bullshit, you know, the yeah. streaming stuff, um, just try it and see like how long you can tolerate it. Uh, and reality TV lost me after Cops. I've only had the internet for two weeks. I didn't have it for like 10 years. <laughs> hey, what's your favorite moment in Cops? You know what my favorite moment in Cops is? Oh, yeah, tell me. I, I can tell you, but you tell me first. It was, uh, I'll tell you what. I was shoplifting, okay? Uh, I mean, I'm a Peruvian guy. I'm shoplifting around. I'm committing the crimes. It's on video. They film it. The cops, they, they show up. And then there's this, there's this Karen, okay? And she says, he was stealing the stuff that he was stealing, so I stole all the stuff. And, uh, the police came and they uh, they shot her to death. Miss Sean? They just shot her. They just fucking blew they her. They shot bl- the Karen. She shot Karen's brains out. That's what she gets. She uh, they emptied a full clip. Oh yeah, that seems legit. Yeah. But she had no she had no gun though. I mean that's okay. I mean it, you know. I mean like, they. It is. You know, like stealing, like I mean, on this on the scale of crimes, how bad of a crime is shoplifting? Look, I'm gonna tell you this one thing that she Were did. Were shoplifting from the Karen? Uh, you offering, her, you her, the camera. Her too, and then but they emptied it. After she even passed away, they kept emptying magazines into her. Just kept on loading her full of bullets, Karen Karen bullets. Fucking comics. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> they just kept fucking dumping one round after the other. I'm just saying, like this is like a fantasy. Okay, this is like this is okay. this is cartoonist porn. For for the love for, for the love of porn and the love of being like a free spirited cartoonist with a story to tell that's a surprise. I wanted that to be a surprise for you guys because I love you guys. I think you guys it's are a, it's spectacular. It's it's the best Christmas. That it, is, had. it is it is Christmas. I thought though that Milo's Menorah's comic Quick was cartoonist porn. I haven't read it. How do I do it? How do oh, I read shit. it? So 
Quick used to be, you know, Monero. He's the guy who did that like sexy image of Spider Woman that people were up in arms of a few years ago. He used to be in heavy metal like every month when I was a kid. Hell yeah! Do you remember Quick? You ever seen that? I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know. Click, but I'll tell you what. Yeah. Be, because it's funny yeah. when that Monera image came out with the Spider Woman on the building. Yeah, yeah. I did an image where I was the sexy Spider Woman, <laughs> and you were reaching over top, and you were smelling my sp- my my spider pussy. Josh, you know what Josh Bear was doing that. Yeah, but I mean, only because like. What was Karen doing? What, what, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Because, flesh but out this fantasy. Where was she at? I only, spiders are natural allies. I only did it honestly, Josh, and, and I'm gonna tell you what this on the record because it's on the on the thing, and I can just like yeah. say it really candidly, like it's because I love your cartooning. I love what you can do with the image and how you're very free. And you move with the page, you move with the ideas. And that's what I think really people people take a loving, a liking, loving, whatever, to your work. And that like because you are following the feeling. It's urgent. There's like you really you do it in a way that a lot of cartoonists will not do. Um shit, man, thanks. Anyway, so now you owe me five dollars in my PayPal. <laughs> well, that was the arrangement. <laughs> Twenty dollars if you want to reprint it as a pull quote. <laughs> Plus royalties. What's the best pull quote that you've ever gotten, Victor? What's a pull quote? Pull quotes on the back, where it's actually there used to be a column in Spy Magazine called Log Rolling. You know that image of two people who are like spinning on a log. And they'll fuck it up like for the other person. One guy trips right, right, the other right, one. Yeah. So there used to be a column called Log Rolling in Our Times. And they would find like, um, uh, you know, some famous writer, like, uh, uh, yeah. they find a famous writer. And he would be, it would be like, I'm, I'm drawing a fucking blank. He was a famous writer from the 70s or 80s. Like, Oh, Lord. It's just say Stephen King. Yeah, I guess Stephen King. So it'd be like Stephen King talking about... Um, who's another poor writer? Uh, fucking douchebag. V.C. <laughs> Andrews is like, Stephen King has a voice unlike any other. And then they would find that Stephen King had given her a review. V.C. Andrews is like such a unique voice in the in the suspense genre, and they just have they. Go so down they, instead of log rolling, they could have called it a circle jerk. Yeah, 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 but didn't. So uh, yeah, when somebody writes on the back of your book, like Victor, like Bald Eagle is the greatest cartoonist of the of the century. Well, let's see if we can find a Josh Bader. No, no. <laughs> oh man. I think what they always they always say that uh, that Josh Bear and Bald Eagles are head to head, a couple of twinsies in this game of comics and and expressing themselves in comics form. I think. Ooh, that could be a good challenge. Like every cool quote we have in the future should like mention the other person. Which other person? Bald Eagle. I'm going to tell you what, this is probably one of the more amazing interviews that I've had, you know, like we're, or just chats. I don't even know if I want to call this stuff interviews because, like, I think we're just talking about stuff, like, pretty freely. But mm-hmm. we are at 11 minutes. 
That's crazy. Anyway, so we're talking about like some comic stuff and, and the and process things. And I think that's where we should be talking about, you know, like figuring things yeah. out. Yeah, bro. Yeah, we, we're doing it, right? I think. Yeah, let's, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we're we're not only getting just younger, but we're getting more beautiful and more powerful as we're like we're talking about our stuff and and doing the things and and making that's them. That's how it works. That that's why indie cartooning is filled with the young, beautiful, and strong. <laughs> Victor, did you go to school, art school at all? No. Where did you get your training? Me. There you go. Well. Did you, what, how come you could figure out, how come you could figure out how to draw on your own? Uh, because I, I was uh, to also told I had to do it. Uh, my dad said, uh, this is one thing that happened when I was young. I traced some images from a, uh, one of these trace books. So I traced them and I presented them to my, my family. I believe I, to my dad. So my dad said, uh, no, that's not what you do. You don't trace it. You draw it. You have to draw it, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. But I was also already drawing beforehand, but like I was like, you know, I don't know, looking at some tracing stuff because that was like... You're the, like, fuck, now I've got to do just as good at drawing as I did at tracing just to show this motherfucker what's what. Right, but I have like distinct memories of drawing when I was four, even maybe a little bit three. But yeah. when I was four, for sure, drawing, and then like just kind of just dicking around a little bit with the tracing with these goofy tracing books from Scholastic Books. They'd offer them to the kids, and they would have them. So it was like a hand-me-down like book where I thought, oh, I can tr maybe I can trace this thing, and this will be my drawing. But it was not my drawing for sure, not at all. Mm -hmm. Hey. Yeah, de definitely I was always taught growing up that you weren't allowed to trace. Or you Tracing go to... was cheating. Yeah, you, you're cheating or you go to hell? Something like that. We were never told we would go to hell. We were just told God would punish us. So I assume that's, you know, could be hell or could be also in this lifetime. It was un certain of how that would pay out uh, the the punishment of like being what the punishment of going to hell what, what how was that uh how was the punishment of going to hell how was it achieved through your life when <laughs> when they made you to believe that thing that you that you could well, I don't think that anybody in my family believed in God, so it was kind of an empty threat and I'm Jewish but we don't, I don't, I don't think we have hell, but we do have heaven. Wait. Don't look at me about being, I don't, I, maybe it sounds cool I'm to say, Catholic. it sounds cool to say we believe in hell, but we don't believe in heaven. That sounds like, that sounds like really, I don't know, we need more, to, more realistic. To the Jewish experience or to humanity. To reality, yeah, to reality. Yeah. Oh, I would be inclined. I, th I think all of our reward and punishment is in this I, lifetime in I, our I minds. Know, I know in a lot of Jewish books I've read and stuff, there's been like old, you know, there'll be like old religious Jews will be talking about 
going to heaven after they die. So I'm pretty sure that mythology exists. But I think you have to wait for the Messiah or something. Huh. I think everybody's just dead now and there's no heaven yet, but there will be. Wow. Okay. I don't know. I'm yeah. like I'm not Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would not well, I'll tell you what, guys. I'm honorary Jewish and Catholic and uh, and Muslim as well. I'm going to take on everybody's sins and everybody's religions, and I'm also partially Buddhist because I want peace. Um, can't we just like accept uh, Jeffrey Epstein as a new president uh, after hell or heaven? In the hellscape that we'll have, okay, yeah. yeah, we're gonna have Jeffrey Epstein as a president, and we're gonna like release. All of these alleged sex tapes and all the criminal things that of you know from him and his you know his exploits and who whoever else he supplied underage people with we'll put all the videos online and um yeah man we'll we're gonna experience a new america a new international a new international i think so i, I think we'll call think it international all of that's probably online already. I mean, have you done a search on Pornhub yet? For that, no. Not For that yet. specifically, because it, it's pro- if you know, it's probably there if it exists. Epstein's Warriors. Are you searching now? I well, I I just so if I do, then I'm like afraid, like my the voice uh, on my Mac will like go away. Okay, or, yeah, we'll save it for later. Yeah. I just yeah. I don't want, I don't want to mess that up because I mean I think we're having just like a like a really good time like talking as cartoonists because. That's what we're doing. Like, we're talking cartoonist stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> hey, we're cartoonists, okay? That's what I always said. If you keep saying it, it'll be true. I'm saying it. Trump strategy. I'm saying um, it. So, okay, you guys have, you guys like Indie yeah, Inc. I mean, I mean, it seemed like we were talking about heaven and hell, but... We forgot to mention that it's all it, a metaphor for cartooning. Yeah, Garfield's there. All Sweet. metaphysics is just a metaphor for cartooning, and the only reason anybody needs religion is because they can't handle how fucking intense cartooning is. So they need to filter it through these little fairy tales. Yeah. I I don't know if that's true, but I'm gonna say I support it because it actually supports me when you say it. <laughs> when you say it, and if that if I want to take that literally, then like, yeah. Because, like, really, you're right. As cartoonists, like, we're putting ourselves out there. I mean, the more the more real that we are, we're putting ourselves out there in a way that when you dismiss it or hate it or put, try to put a mark against it, it actually does hurt us, doesn't it? I don't know. I think I'm impervious to... I think at this point, like... If anything could hurt me, I would just have stopped a long time ago. Mm. I think I'm in like, you know, zombie autopilot, keep on cartooning because what else am I supposed to do? You're like a dreadnought. Exactly. I'm going to learn from you guys when you say that. I'm learning from you guys. Yeah. Um, we were all about, we're all about like mythology. But I really like that quote when you were interviewing Alex and you guys were saying how uh, it's really important for people to build their own reality. I thought that was, I thought about that all day. So Victor, 
last night, so I'm in Kentucky today, and I flew out. I stayed up for like two days to get here. I had to like leave Manhattan at 3 a.m. and catch a flight, catch an airplane at 6 a.m. And instead of going to bed, I just stayed up for like a day and a half. And I list, I discovered your podcast. And first, I listened to the Johnny Ryan interview, and then the Alex Graham interview, then the Danny Hellman interview, then the Tony Millionaire interview, and then finally your friend with the nickname. And they were really fucking good. And I was... Um, Wait, my friend with the nickname? Your friend... No, uh, Victor's friend. Okay. okay. What was their name again? Well, I'm trying to figure out who that is. And if that person, who it is, my, who I may think it might be, they may not want to be revealed at this moment. But you, they're in your... They're in your... They're on Spotify. They're like on the... They're like have their own episode. Oh, it could be Frosty. Like, Maybe it's Frosty. Maybe it's wasn't it like Greasy Mike? And oh, like Andy, Adam, Adam the Roth, Adam the Roth, who was the king of Echo Park, and now so, we're making so him triple famous now. Cartoonist, but they were really fucking listenable. And there's other podcasts around that have been around for a while, and I've listened to them a few times, but I didn't find them. I haven't. I found yours really absorbing. Man, I find um, I find your comics. I find you as a person really absorbing, uh, to the point where I'm like. I'm absorbing too much fucking Josh Bear right now because it's like I'm absorbing it all. You know what I mean? Like it's like a, it's an ocean. It's an ocean. It's a fucking. It's a, it's a superpower. It's a radiation. You're radioactive, like me. <laughs> or I mean, in a different way. I don't know if this is like, if you guys are gonna. Stop. Here, is, here we go. Comic lovers. Number two. Comic lover, comic lovers number two involves hey, Mr. Josh the Bear. So we were talking about fandom while the mic was off. All right. our best discussions are off mic. Wasn't intentional. I know, it's just mm. the way life happens, man. Like we're talking about cigarettes and we're talking about how Victor visited my apartment. 10 years ago or 11 years ago, like the week after I moved in there. You probably know what month that was, right, Victor? I thought, what, I thought it was a, a late December, early January of, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I thought it was like 2010-ish. Well, I moved in in July, so that would have been my first th uh, four months there. I thought it was like right after I moved in, but maybe, yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you had you had lived in there a little bit since. Yeah, and I remember um, you guys went to the post office, and you told me that the post office was like thought was really um, uh, unique because there was like it was across from an abandoned school where you could see trees growing out of the upper floors. Oh, I thought maybe it was going to be like. One of my classic racist stories. <laughs> you got a lot of those. Oh man, I got I got. visit them here. I got wait. I got classics. I got the classics. You know what I mean? Like the the winners, like like the 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 stories that are like they go beyond when you being say, woke. Like I have racist stories, but they're like. The time I saw Ozzy Osbourne and Letterman make like a complete anti-Semitic joke that went apparently went right over Letterman's head, but that's not like 
story about me doing something racist. Well, I'll tell you what. One time I met Ozzy Osbourne. No, no, no. Let's fuck you. We're moving on. Well, no, ra- no racist story. No, it, no it was a, it was a, what do you call that? A Ozzy Osbourne story. Okay. Oh. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne said. Ozzy Osbourne story. Yeah, I have an Ozzy Osbourne story because he's he's okay. a he's a fan of me. He's like he's a little bit reluctant. Like he kind of dips in and out. Okay, but he's Ozzy, and he said, "Victor, can you just like fuck you? Don't like do the stuff that's too much, hurt my feelings, and make hurt you." And I'm like, "All right, I'm trying. You know, I'll say I'll tell you what, Ozzy, I'm trying." <laughs> He's got kind of like, what's that accent that Ozzy has? And he's called Parkinson's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Parkinson's. Fuck. Sorry, is that too soon? No, look, I have Asperger's. for like 20 years. I have Asperger's accent. You know, so I'm trying to like be able to communicate with people who are normal. And I just, I know that I don't do it that well. But. We're not normal, so. All your efforts are wasted. I'll tell you what. How about this wasted effort? What about uh, that guy that we were just talking about? Mm. Ozzy? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about a bunch of people. Yeah, when Ozzy was just like, uh, you know, biting the heads off of smaller animals. Imagine if like he just had a a whole fucking repertoire of him biting the heads off of smaller animals. Like, like bulls. Shrews, shrews, ferrets, rats, <laughs> fin- yeah, you know, finches, parrots, emus. Can we just say na- animals have small names? Actually, like <laughs> yeah. medium size. Emus are pretty fucking big, Josh. Imagine, yeah. imagine yeah. if we hired uh, Ozzy Osbourne hires security and they secure a fucking uh, what do you an ostrich? You know, one of these two uh, hundred pound birds. And Those they, are not small birds. They're huge. So they're yeah. like they're like two hundred pounds. That he but he pays for security to usher one in and he just starts biting his head around until it dies. It so, seems like it seems unlikely. Um I mean how much do you, do you think maybe they could tranquilize the ostrich first? Because I've heard tell that those are very ferocious birds. That's, that's, I told you the Johnny Cash I know. Story. I was just going to say, Josh told me this story about how Johnny Cash actually, you know, cleaned up his act because of the brutality perpetrated upon him by an ostrich. In Jamaica. So you want to hear this? Yes, I do. Because I've never, I never heard this story. This this story is amazing. It's in his book. Johnny Cash wrote at least two biographies. He wrote one called the, I think the Man in Black, and then he did one in the nineties, just called Cash, like Cash the Man. And in the book, he's got he knows this is hilarious, but it's also true. He was in he's on his estate in Jamaica, and he was in the throes of his drug addiction, right. and he was. He's there. He's taking some t- alone time. I think uh, June didn't want to be around him because he was getting high so much. And so he's tromping along on his estate, you know, and he hears he's taking just a walk like on his uh, just, uh, you know, for exercise. And he hears this loud honking sound or a hissing and he looks behind him. And on the trail he just walked on, there's this ostrich and it's fucking, you know, flaring up and hissing at him. And he's like, 
and he just keeps on going and he says he know but he's like i know something about ostriches and they're very territorial and that means that if this ostrich thinks it ran me off it's going to keep on it's going to own that piece of territory and he's like i'm not going to deal i'm not going to be chased off by an ostrich on my own property so he could have kept on going around and avoided seeing the ostrich again but he decided no not you know i'm going to take a stand He's going to show the ostrich who the man was. Yes. Yes. Who who the man named Cash was. So, the man in black, as I've heard tell. Big yeah. man. So he goes and he, yes. He's a, fucking Johnny Cash was huge apparently. And so he goes, he goes and he picks up a stick, like a club. He described it like a club, like a branch. And he heads back the way he came after moseying around, doesn't let the ostrich rush him, comes back. And sure enough, the ostrich is standing there on the same part of, path, of the path or it gets up when it sees him and starts honking at him again. So Johnny Cash walks towards it like a show with a stick with a stick. And he in the book, he's like, so I picked up the <laughs> stick and as I got close, I started to swing it and then he stops the book like in the matrix and he's like let me just back up and give you some facts about the ostrich the ostrich is the fastest land mammal it is able it's capable of leaping has such powerful legs that can leap up in the air about 10 feet from a standing position and that's what this ostrich did and it did it so quickly that in the time that it took me for to extend my arms, extend the swing. Now I want you to know that Josh is like miming, swinging a club. Yeah. You can't see <laughs> because we're like on audio only, but I just want to like I've, add that. I've taken all of my nibs and I've taped them together to form like a big club just for this demo. And then he swings yes. it and the fucking ostrich, he's like mid-swing, the ostrich is already coming down with its talons out. And it comes down and just rakes the talons into his belly and just all like just rip just uh you know his gut eviscerates. Yeah, Johnny Cash, the Man in Black. Well, the only thing that keeps him from being he keeps himself from being eviscerated by holding his guts in, but he's being he's been gut he's been gashed open. Oh. So this leads to it. Yeah, fucking real. So he goes and he's like, well, what happened was I was completely addicted to whatever pills he was taking. Like painkillers. Painkillers. And so he's in the hospital and they're like, you know, we don't understand. We're giving you these painkillers. You don't seem to feel anything. And they don't understand how high his tolerance was. So they eventually catch on that he's a huge drug addict and they strip his his hospital room while he's trying they're trying to get him to heal. Right. And they they strip off like everything in the room until it's just the bed and him. So he has one of his underlings come in and smuggle him in some painkillers. And he's like, well, I can't hide these painkillers anywhere, except I have this built-in little pocket where the bandage is. So he takes them and he puts them in a Pepsi, in a little Ziploc bag and puts them underneath the bandage. Where his eviscerated, completely open where abdomen is. Yeah. Yes. And he's like, so then the next thing I know is I'm waking up from a fucking coma and my doctor's standing over me and I'm like, what happened, doc? And he's all strapped down. And the doctor's like, yeah, see, what happens is you were hiding drugs and the acids from your stomach worked their way into the plastic bag. 
like ate into it and all of these like a month worth of these pills just were like went directly into your blood system and you've been in a coma for like however long and this actually that's the end of the funny part of the story but he ends up describing how this led to him being like one of the first candidates for the betty ford clinic like at that point you like you realize you have a problem when your stomach acids have dissolved your drug source after you were eviscerated by an ostrich in Jamaica. Yeah. The end. Wow, incredible. I so yeah, it. that's why I don't buy the whole thing about Ozzy biting the head off an ostrich security or no security to bring it back around to... Um, yeah. I'm just saying it would be like the gnarliest thing you could do is like because we accepted... It would be. We accept that he, like he bit the head off a chicken or a fucking bat or whatever it was, or it was probably was fake. It a dove? No, no, it was a bat. It was a bat. Where's the dove? Oh, the dove is on the cover of uh, Diary of a Madman, right? Oh, it's just like, hanging out on his shoulder. Yeah. Or he's like holding it. Yeah. I just imagine if that became the norm of like people like biting the head off a fucking small animal for. It's a net. That can be the next uh, TikTok challenge. Because they won't be old enough to remember the Aussie biting the head off of a bat reference, and they'll think it's like a hot new thing. It's a new yeah. thing. I kind yeah. of you know, one of us should spearhead that and become TikTok famous. I'm already seeing it, but I'm seeing it like with seafood. I'm seeing like there's a lot of seafood videos of like uh, young people who are in their twenties or before their twenties. They're young and they yeah. are. They're like they're. They're cooking a lot of seafood with the with the water, but also, I mean, maybe a little bit with the varmints too. I I think I've seen like rat videos, people eating like uh, rats. Cooked uh, or not cooked? Because that could be cooked, but like still okay. with their skin, like with their skin on them, and the fur. Well, I mean, as long as they're cooked, like the you know, it's unlikely you can get you know too bad of diseases. I mean, you might get parasites, but depends on how you cook them. Or I guess maybe if you're just always subject to those parasites, they're always around. Yeah, you're always eating rats. And parasites, always fucking weird little monsters. So that's that's a thing. There's a lot of videos like you see them on the uh, online. But then I'm like, because I've been thinking like, wait, wait, if things get really bad, which they could, right? I don't know. I thought they were. If they got even worse. Okay. Okay. So so they gotten even worse, like. I'll probably start eating some rats, I think, if I have to. Um, I mean, have you ever tried to catch one? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I guess you could catch it in a trap, trap but yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. It's it, it's an internet. I wonder. Well, I mean, we should we can look up on the internet. What do people say? Cause people say snake is good. You know, I've heard people say that certain man. I mean, I, I've never heard anybody talk about. How rats taste? No, I, I haven't either. I assume they taste like uh, like like nasty, nasty people. Well, I mean, people eat squirrel. That's they, true. Like, squirrels are rodents. Like squirrel stew. But squirrels taste like like good old home cooking because they came from the trees. Have you ever? What, have you ever eaten squirrel? Oh hell no! No, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe they're great. But like I eating squirrel is like 
Number one, like, you'd have to clean it. Like, the amount of meat you would get yeah. off one squirrel would be so ridiculously small that you would have to be starving to death to, like, want to eat squirrel. It's just too much work. But we eat other things that are, like, I mean, chickens are much bigger than... Yeah, but you're not shooting the... Chickens are way bigger than squirrels, and you're not shooting and cleaning the... And plus, like, half the time you shoot a squirrel, you blow it the fucking half. That's true. Well, okay. You could, you could poison them. But then you'd be eating poison meat. Yeah, right? don't eat, yeah, don't eat the poison squirrel. Uh, but poison the squirrels know. also. Yeah, have to. Say, I mean, if we were starving to death, we would eat the fuck out of them because we'd be starving to death. Or if the squirrels are are uh, eating your food, then you poison the squirrels and you can kill them. Yeah. Just saying, but I've, I've never had squirrels eat my food. I'm just saying, like from like an alt right perspective, like you know when you're coming like right from the the crazy uh, uh, twelve more years crew. Imagine, you know. Ten oh, yeah. more years. They're only asking for twelve, or do they think the world will end by then? Well, they want they want to have the whole Trump family, you know, like they want Trump dynasty. They want, yeah, they want Trump <laughs> Jr. They want Ivana. They want Barron. You know, they want. They're like, well, people are saying that, you know, like comparing America to Rome, like Rome had to fall. Well, fuck that. Rome had emperors. Like we could at least squeeze another, like you know, a few generations out. <laughs> I think so. That sounds about right, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah. At at this point, I, nothing would surprise me. But what you were saying before, Victor, about like how um, people who, what was it you're saying? People who had never done something before, they like don't they they want to try it. It was an internet challenge. I think maybe it was eating rats. But that's what they say about fascism, that you know people who are war. It's like people who, it's too far in the past. Like people from the Vietnam era, they got, uh, they were really happy to not have, to not have, um, I don't fucking know. They say that the reason well, no. that all the right wingers are flirting with fascism right now is because they, oh, and civil, civil war, of course, is because like these, uh, a lot of this shit is too distant in the past for them to remember what it was like. I have a friend who, um, He's in his uh, 70s now, but he was, uh, you know, for decades was a New Orleans crime reporter um, for the Times-Picune. But before that, he had literary pretensions and he loved Hemingway and he thought, oh, you know, like, that's what, you know, you do. Like, you're a young man, you go off to war, you get hard and you, like, learn how the world is. So he went off to Vietnam. He said he was there for, like, three days. He's like, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is not cool. I don't yeah. want to be in war. What the yeah. fuck was I thinking? I want to like write fucking poems. Jesus. Did he manage to get into the journalism, you know, division or something while he was there? No, I think he was fucking fighting. Um, you know, I don't. He didn't go over as a reporter. He went over as a soldier. Um, uh, because like, you know, like he thought he wanted to be fucking macho Ernest Hemingway bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, no, but I mean, he's uh. You know, but this yeah, a, a fucking sweetheart of a guy too. Yeah, you yeah. never like think. So did he? Did, did he keep it pretty close to the vest with whatever he saw over there? I don't know. I never asked him uh, specific. He just like start talking, like you know, you you 
he was a storyteller, you know, like all of us. And so like, you kind of get these like fragments of whatever pops into mind at the time. You guys, um, are- you know, like you'd ask him about like, oh, well, what was your favorite, you know, um, what's your favorite book you read last week? And then four hours later, you'd be talking about like the Vietnam War or something. Right. You guys ever have like a, a boomer age uh, Vietnam War veteran friend? They're a friend of you, and you love them, and et cetera. Like they're yeah, yeah, yeah. They tell you the story. They tell you the stories, but then you after you ever ask them just like point blank, you you take. You know what I had was when I was young. I, I, one of my my first like real job job was at a fast food place, and I had this manager who hated me, and partially because I wore combat boots, and he claimed to have been a Vietnam vet. And I've tried to figure it out before. This is like 1987. He seemed like he was like 36. I guess it kind of makes sense. That means that he was like 23 and 73 or something like that. Right. But I always kind of suspected he's kind of full of shit. Anyways, he used to say stuff like, you know, your boots are all fucking dirty. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you know, you got to take care. You don't respect the boots you can't wear. You never wore the uniform. Yeah. Yeah. But what, Victor, what were you saying? Uh, did you ever ask them point blank, dot, dot, dot? Oh, wait. I forgot. I'll remember, though. I'll think. Okay. No, I'll think you about it again. You're saying you kind of can't ask them point blank, right? What? Oh, that you can't ask them what? The... About the horrors of war? Maybe. Have they ever just. You can like... ask them about the horrors of war, just not the horrors. You yeah, ever just, like, step into a massage parlor and just experience the horrors of war? <laughs> I'm, I've heard those stories i've never heard about like how many babies somebody killed you ever just pile up one baby after the next on your bayonet and then fucking and then walk into the house and say i brought dinner (laughs) i brought dinner you fucking is it too soon soon? that probably did happen we shouldn't joke about that you You know we should victor you know about jack kirby's experience in war no did he go to the the horrors of war he, well, the thing of Kirby, if you compare him to Stan Lee, Stan Lee was like just one of those guys who he was like, he knew, he knew how to kind of put himself, like like kind of put himself in the best possible position, most advantageous position. So they both went to war and Stan Lee was a fucking clerk. I think he was like, he was, he was basically clerking the whole war. Jack Kirby had invented Captain America, sold like millions and millions of copies he had to stop doing captain america to go to the war and when he got in there he was like you know he told that he told his commanders he's like well you know back in my civilian life i was an artist and they go oh you're an artist great and they gave him like a they said you can go off into the field and you can track to see if there's any mines if you don't get blown up you could put an x on the tree and then the rest of the battalion can follow you wow he saw the worst. He was an infantry guy. His fucking feet almost rotted off. He liberated concentration camps, and he saw like he saw like like his his privilege as like being the guy who invented Captain America. He was never able to um, to to you know you know harness it to help him to help him be in a better position during World War Two. He saw everything. You know what, man? I think that's like when you talk about Kirby like that, I feel like he's the original crumb because like he's doing these exaggerated like forms of himself. And but those are like the most beautiful forms of like actually removing the, the, the landmines, 
and serving uh, with, you know, the intent of liberating other people and doing that. Yeah. Holy shit. That's like, that's the ultimate, like, <laughs> inverse uh, jack-off comic. People think, my friend, do you know Jason T. Miles? I love him, and we are we are working on a project together. Really, I yeah. love him. To, I love him to death because uh, he really is a guy of depth and uh, and great knowledge. And uh, yes, Jason, Jason is pure comics. He's real for sure. I love him. Great drawing technique too. He gave me a couple of his original pieces. I have them hanging up in my room. I stare at them all the time and. I'm never, there's sometimes I just feel like I'm never going to crack the code of what he understands with uh, the way he puts down lines. He's like, he can do the style that's kind of like Dr. Seuss, like really messy and loose, but really, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what else. Very organized. Right. Anyway, Jason, Jason told me that he heard, came upon a theory that a lot of the Kirby crackle had to do with his war trauma. That you know the the little black dots that he does. Oh yeah, like maybe having like your vision blacked out through like just even loud booms or the stress. Yeah, Jason. Well, we'll do this again. We'll have Jason on. He has. He. I think he had a. I think it was kind of like a memory, or it was like maybe I don't remember if it's about head injury or if it's about. It might be like being blinded by. Like fucking like explosions, yeah, flares. Yeah. I don't know. That be was he? I mean, Jason would know if that's his theory. But was he drawing that it was only post war? Uh, mostly he definitely evolved it post war. I mean, he definitely got more, you know, more what it was, but. Yeah, definitely more psychedelic, you know, post the war, you know, he's getting in there. Like, I think everyone, even even if you weren't smoking weed or whatever, like, you're still <laughs> you're still affected by zooms yeah. and lasers and sci-fi and uh, those those different ideas. I think they, yeah, they, they, they mutate your work if you're around yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think Kirby was a drug guy at all. He definitely was, like, a high schooler. I mean, he was, like, a, you know, straight-shooting family guy, you know? Like, I can't imagine. For sure. But then when the first time I did acid, I was like, holy shit, it's been in in front of my face this whole time. Kirby was an acid head for, like, you know, for, like, an hour when I was, like, 17. (laughs) (laughs) But he did, he was very sympathetic towards the hippies. Oh, absolutely. And he did embrace, like... You know, youth culture and aesthetic, like when he, you know, he's not drawing people in the 1970s with 1940s haircuts. Mm-mm. Well, they still have hats, but you're right. No, he, I thought he drew, he drew 70s hair yeah. better than anybody. Because most people drew, like Sal Buscema, when he drew his drawing the Hulk, everybody had like, Casey Kasem, Marv Albert. <laughs> but have you ever not like drawing like just random stock characters in comics? Yeah. It's really hard to think of hairstyles without looking at reference. Like you probably have like two or three, like I've got like two men haircuts that I draw unless I look, go and like look for, you know, other haircuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll meet you, you know, it's basically like you're bald or you have kind of a Caesar cut. Yeah. Or you have a Caesar cut with a receding hairline. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's it's like, uh, and same with women's haircuts. It's I think it's, um, 
Kirby, when he did, if you look at his stuff in the 70s, when he was doing Superman, when he was doing uh, Mr. Miracle, they don't have 60s haircuts. They have longish hair. Yeah. But it's really well groomed, but not groomed in a way that's like counter to the styles of the time. It's really well observed. The hair. Is it that, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that, um, you know, as another case in point of he kind of like was more kept up with the times than a lot of other cartoonists, despite not being a counterculture guy or a super like mm-hmm. social cosmopolitan guy, you know, just by, you know, he worked all the goddamn time. Yeah. But he had to have been like a tireless observer of everything around him. Yeah, yeah. He was also known as the curb stomper. As they would like to say in short, like, oh, fuck, there's Curb Stomper coming around the corner. Because he was also just known, if he had an enemy, I mean, we got to spot, uh, because my, my sponsor, Blue Chew and MeUndies, <laughs> just sent me a text and they said, you got to spice this shit up. He's so, like, it's true. He's like, if you come in the wrong way, he's like, bite the curb. Yeah, he'd make him bite the, he'd say, I'm, I'm the Curb Stomper. He'd say, yep. uh, peekaboo, here comes the curb stomper. And he would just start dislocating jaws. From he's like, he's like, you ever read that Adrian Tomine story, Pink Frosty? Bite the curb. You ever read that, you ever read that Victor? <laughs> no, is it good? It's kind of nasty and violent. It's about a guy who encounters, he has like a, he has like an altercation in the street. Like he yells at the wrong person and the guy gets out of the car and he slowly dawns on him. The guy's incredibly violent. And the guy just hit, he's holding a cake. And he's like, hey, you cut me off in traffic. And the guy just jacks him in the face. And then he's the guy can hear the dude telling him to bite the curb. And right after the comic ends, you understand the guy's going to do the American History X move where he stomps, he curb stomps him. And But the guy, so as the guy's biting the curb, the, the frosting is getting into his mouth. And he's like, I can taste pink frosting. Oh, that's dark. Really dark. It is somebody being completely out of their element. Yeah, and there's yeah, it's a nice touch. I mean, you can t- if you read if you know how to read the story well, you can tell that the guy is a skinhead. It's like he's has his hair grown out, but he's just the shot of the dude biting the curb. You notice the guy has Doc Martens on. Right. Hey, can I tell you my my darkest secret I have in my entire life? Oh yeah, yeah. As long as I don't have to tell mine. No, yeah, yeah. This is this is my this is my darkest one. This is like the. Um... This is this is the ender to my life. So yeah, I got I gotta do that's it for, what we have permission. Gotta Should we do, do the countdown? Okay, so I gotta do this for the podcast. All right. What is uh what is this ender? Oh wait, I just had it in my head. Um so the thing was is like man, I don't know, I think the, the, the idea was not to Holy shit. No, I had it in my head. It's totally gone. <laughs> no, it that was. That is pretty dark. <laughs> no, Victor, it... are you making it up? Are you making it up? Do you not really have it? It's okay if you don't have a dark secret. No, 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 no. This was like fucking oh so. God. This was so beautifully dark. And I feel like my story. It's so, sec- it's so secret that it's getting feel... even from him. I feel like Victor's like retreating into an inner darkness because the Adrian Tomine story upset him so much. No, because I don't even really know the Adrian Tomine stories. What's that? Say that again? I don't even really understand or know the Adrian Tomine stories. Oh, okay. Is that how you say it, isn't that, 
Uh, mm-hmm. two, two, two shows. Two shows, Mani. <laughs> I think it's Tomine, yeah, but I think I'm also wrong. Uh, back when I, when I used to hang out with the elite comic circles, they would say two Mani. I... I don't hang out with let's, anybody, so I never hear words pronounced. Let's um, let's open up the phone lines and take it to our callers. Okay. Callers. Bird. Can, you, can, you, can your production manager like open up the phone lines and have people call in because they? I I think uh, your your viewer your viewership might be able to correct me. No, I mean they're not uh, involved, and like I don't I don't have an audio engineer, so like I I feel like. I mean, if 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 I'm there, the guest is there. We're all present. Like we have more than enough to to call from each other, you know. So so people who are out there, I don't know. Are Victor, there? what what other podcast do you listen to? Uh, I I've been listening to um, every everybody's favorite Alex Jones. You know, I listened to Alex Jones when I was younger. Crazy uh, like conspiracy stuff, like maybe. Like I really, I was still kind of just like tinkering around with it. Like in 2012, gave up with it. Uh, present day, I'm like a little bit of, I'll dip into some Mark Maron. I I would listen to some Joe Rogan, some Come Town, some Legion of Skanks, some NPR, some. I'll even listen to uh, to our friends over there at Nova Nova Van Skyver. So I mm. I listen to a few of those. I I mean I think they're they're good. It's a different thing, a different vibe. The uh, cartoonist kayfabes, you know, mm-hmm. they they got some classic guests and some legends like Rick Veach and uh, Mr. Steve Bissett. Veach hasn't been on yet, has he? Who? Veach. I thought that Veach was on there. Am I not? Am I mistaken? I love Veach. Yeah, yeah, me too. You ever met him? I I met him, man. It's crazy. I met him twenty years ago. My uh, the friend that I that came to the show with me in SPX and you know, 20 years ago, he was talking to him for a good while. And yeah. then I, then I show up and I wasn't as interesting as my, as my friend. So the conversation, so the conversation that I had with Veach was very simple and et cetera. But I, it was also like, I didn't want to like over goo goo my, my uh, fanboy juice all over mm-hmm. him. Who's the, who's the person, who's the person that you're the most astounded that you've met in comics? Um, Gosh darn it. The most astounded. Um, the most impressed, the most, you know, the most electrified that you've met. You know, that's hard to, that is hard to say because a lot of it had to like the, the, the electricity or the thing came from the work. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I the work and then like, if I like their work, then we like each other. That's, I feel like that's, that's kind of like the best relationship i've had with cartoonists is like we both like each other's work and our work we're not like copying each other so like you're offering something completely different than me and i'm doing the the other thing you know and uh and that's why we fucking love each other because yeah like, josh why don't you answer your own question no, no, i was gonna, I was gonna take more oh, long list but, but what about you that goes back to like i'm not very good at being a fan What's I, I don't like see. I don't interact with people. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I did meet. Uh, I, did, I met Robert Crumb once. You know what I said to him? Oh, I'm going to try to guess. Um, fuck you, fuck you, Crumb. I said, Crumbs, check this one out. 
And then I put my hand in my jacket. And then my hand came back out. And it was just my business card. But no, I never met him. But actually, probably the only, like, maybe if it was like one OG guy. I've met OG guys, but I would say, uh, what's his name? Charles the Burns. I met him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was like nice. when I was like twenty or twenty two, and I, I talked to him at the bar, so maybe maybe like I thought I thought it lasted for a while, but you know, like it was just cool because I'm just like I'm meeting the dude. I know he does cool stuff. He's a little bit older. He's got great experience. I yeah. didn't didn't want to like whatever be fucking over nerd or whatever. I'm like I because I knew his shit from uh, uh, Liquid Television and elsewhere and all those things. It's like a twenty year old guy. And a cool guy. I mean, as as a, you know, as a conversationalist, we had some uh, Budweisers. I did, and I know he did. So uh, yeah, he was a cool dude. I thought that was like, I kind of I kind of met Crumb. I mean, not one on one, but I saw him talk uh, at the Forty um, Fifth Street Library uh, in two thousand and let's say six. And he's being interviewed by uh, Rock, the, the critic from Time Magazine who's all over the Crumb movie. And he's, he's since passed away, but he was really big and championing Crumb. He called him the Bruegel, the 20th century Bruegel. And so he's, being, he's interviewing Crumb, and they opened it up to questions from the audience. And when I, ra- I got a chance to raise my hand, and I asked him, you know, like, like nobody's observed this before, but what did I know? I, I said, hey, you know, I've been looking at a lot of Harold Gray, and I noticed that, like, you do pants the same way. Like, you know, there's a lot of things he does similar to Gray, but I just said, hey, I noticed you did pants the same way. Did you pick that up from him? Like, I think that was my question. And, you know, he could have said, uh, and Crumb could have said, like, well, what about jackets, you know? But anyways, he didn't say that. He said, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, I took from Harold Gray. And he said, every cartoonist is a chain of tradition reaching back into the, between the past and the future. Well, you know what? I got to take from his fucking advice just from like saying that I think that's advice. Cause I get this thing in my head where I think that I have to draw everything like brand new every time mm. I do it. And I should probably kind of like call from the, the history of cartoons. Perhaps. Well, especially like if, for those of us who didn't go to like, you know, an institution that teaches you the proper way of cartooning, we learned how to cartoon by looking at cartoons, by looking at what other people did. And, you know, like at no point in time in your career, you get to, I think, do you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, I know how to do everything perfectly now. So from now on, I'm just only going to do original things that spring forth from my own imagination. Mm-hmm. And to take inspiration from any other source would be to diminish my progress. I think that's complete horseshit. That's my horseshit. That's my, that's my poison. <laughs> your horseshit. Okay. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Hyena's uh, somebody that you know, like I teach people how to draw, like that's my day job, but I still send my shit to Hyena and I'm like, help, you know, like she can pick up things that I have blind spots for everybody. Yeah. You never stop. I mean, personally, I feel like I'm very far from reaching the destination of where my art's going. So it's not surprising that I wouldn't stop, but I still, I need help. 
Uh, do you have anybody, Victor, that you like reach out to and you're like, I'm getting stuck with this piece. What should I do? Uh, I get to this place. It's like the the back of my head, but it's like it's a place where it's just if I feel hmm, it's hard to say like where it is. Like maybe it's like where other things in my external life aren't like maybe I'm not feeling the greatest in, in that area. And so that kind of that kind of impedes like your creative process. So when things get better on the outside, then I feel like I can create just a little bit better um, other ways. So I don't know. I don't really reach. No, I reach out. You know, I'll reach out to Don Don. I'll reach out to my Don Don. Danny, that's Danny Hellman. I reach out to oh, him. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I've with Danny, I've known him since I was just like a young teen. Same with Tony yeah. Millionaire. Those two guys, they're problematic. I'm problematic. We're all problematic. And we're demons, and we're the worst thing in the world. Humanity is problematic, and also the devil. I'm actually going to take the weight of all your problematics, uh, everyone included in this conversation that was ever mentioned. I'll say, Are you going to die for our problems? I think so, yeah. Like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? More or less. On but a cross, on blo the bloody, dripping cross that we celebrate on this day that... He was born. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah. He's... laughs> I got my Jesus uh, mythology confused. You're... He was born, not died, on this blessed you day. Mean, you mean comics were born on this day? I Who think... else do you think I'm talking about? When Kirby. Curbside. Comics died on that cross. When Kirby just fucking stomped on that guy's head. For like, our problems. Fuck, just. And loved it, though. Every moment. He just watched it in slow motion. Every day in his head. The head crush. <laughs> curb stomp style. I like those sound effects. Yeah, it's my curb. It's a, that's a, um, yeah, that's a hallmark of radio. This is why I was, I've been telling people this for a long time. Read more comics. And, um, we love comics over here. And who was our who was our favorite uh, fan magazine from the nineties? I'm bad at being a fan. Did you like Wizard? Man, I was actually a Wizard King. I feel yeah. almost in a way stupid because before I came out to California, I had a stack of all these fucking wizards from back in the day. I probably could have yeah. like fucking gmailed them to somebody for a big buck. Are they worth something? Hell no. Like I, I thought the real, like the only way Wizards sold was because was to convince people that their worthless comics were worth something, mm -hmm. so they keep buying them. It's a whole scam. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's yeah, right. Because right. they had the price guide. It's, it's, uh, hey, it's no scam now, my friend, because it just got the fucking cafe bump, and it also has the uh, I Love Victor Cairo podcast bump. So. Bring that wizard. Bring um, the bring those yeah, wizards yeah. up. I hope I hope they. I there is the kayfabe uh, effect. They mentioned my books and I sold. I mean, I I sold like two hundred dollars for the books right after they mentioned me. Austin English too. He experienced like a big jump after yeah. they mentioned him. And but um, I liked uh, Chemical Imbalance. You're, that was a that was his magazine, a fan magazine that I discovered a lot of shit through. Um. Victor, you ever heard of that one? No. Who who did Chemical Imbalance? Michael Mc, uh, McGonigal, I think his name is. Uh, you, can, you can find him on Facebook. He's a really interesting dude. Uh, and he did Chemical Imbalance was... 
That's my alarm. Uh, Chemical Imbalances was the first place that I saw. Are you still there, Victor? Yeah, right here. Um, for one well, of the first places I saw Joe, it was the first place I saw Joe Coleman's work. That was the first place. One of the first places I saw Gary Panner's work, Daniel Johnston's work, Charles Burns' work. Uh, he had amazing articles and cartoonists. He had write it. Had really good writing in there. Uh, yeah, I could just gush forever. But um, yeah, I like that magazine quite a bit. Yeah, Terminal Terminal Cancer, the magazine. What's the magazine's name? Chem, chemical Imbalance. Chemical? There's also, there also this punk artist who's completely disappeared. And if anybody, um, open up the phone lines. If anybody out there in your reader, in your listenership can call in to know, let us know whatever happened to this guy. There's a guy who's called, he just had numbers for a name. He's a European punk artist who's called like, why, I'm just going to say random numbers of letters. It was like Y8013 or YRK, you know, five or something. And he just did the, he did these really cool, like, uh, comics that were, uh, I don't know how to describe them. They're funny. They were kind of like in a, a Doug Allen kind of vein, you know, but they were also, there's also the sense that, uh, like, like Julie Duchesne's stuff was kind of written in broken English sometimes. Right. This stuff was as well. So it was very the the language usage is really simple. That was my understanding of it. I just remember there's one frame of this guy, this punk guy, sitting in his living room looking really angry, and his mother going, "You know, honey, why don't you go outside?" And he's going, "Shut up, ma! I watch TV." Love it. I love it, man. And I actually love. You know who I I wish that was kind of like basically the mascot for Adult Swim would have been Stephen, what the fuck's his name? Is What's the name of the, the, uh, the cartoonist? Doug Allen is the one that did oh, Stephen. Damn, I love Doug Allen. Yeah, I don't know. Animation, you know, it's a, it's a bit, yeah, I, I think he needs much bigger audience. I love, fucking love that guy. There's a good chance, I, I can't imagine somebody giving Stephen a voice, though. You know, don't you think that might, there's a good chance I could ruin it. Right. Yeah, you give it the wrong voice, it's not gonna. Yeah, it's just gonna like sink into obscurity and not and not be remembered in the greatness that it deserves. Because like as a kid, because I, mean, I was reading that as a fucking like a little teenager kid, the Stevens, the Doug Allens, and, they're so good. And thinking like, wow, this is like my voice. This is like a disenfranchised whatever the fuck I thought that I was or wasn't. And like this is a thing that stands up against everything that's beeping and honking at them and you know trying to push them around. I loved it. I loved uh, I loved the cactus and Fifi and Doodle. Like <laughs> I think about that all the time because that you know we were talking earlier about people that we hate that we fucking absolutely detest without naming any names. We we're both referring to having people in our lives that we fucking hate, and that's you know that that idea kind of resonates having a least favorite enemy. Because you also don't want that person to have that much control over your life. So you end up with somebody who's almost like, they're almost like a mediocre presence in your life. Because you both hate them, but they suck so much that you kind of don't want to give them that first class hate. Yeah, I you know every year is a, a challenge. And every year I think it gets just a little bit easier in dealing with those kind of, um, those kind of long-standing essential essential loathings i think there i think there are essential loathings that we have to maintain them one moment my friend because 
I think that we are on the yeah. Well, one pe- you should get Doug a- Doug Allen to be on this podcast. I bet you could do it. Ask Austin how to get a hold of him. I want to talk. I mean, I I really like the idea is that I do want to talk to everybody and like you know if there are like whatever beefs and goofy stuff, I'll talk about that stuff too, etc. But I would talk to the- for an hour. Oh no! Actually, you know we're still we're still we're still good. We have at who, least at least who, ten who minutes. Who do you think? Because I I think Stephen could work if they if they had gotten like Ernest Borgnine to do his voice. He's dead. No, but but during Adult Swim, he was still alive. He was still alive then. I guess uh, either you or I would have to do the voice of fucking Stephen. <laughs> I would do Stephen. I would do Stephen because I fucking know Stephen. I love him. I think he's a great character. I think he's like he's. I think he's all the different sides. He's pretty even in a very in an extreme way, but I think he's kind of like in the middle of good and bad. I, I think getting a good character actor to do the voice could really fucking work. Like uh, the dude who played Nucky's brother on Boardwalk Empire, he'd be good. Who was he? Was he the, the board? The Borg? I mean, I don't know. I, I never watched the. <laughs> I never watched Boardwalk Empire. Borg. I thought, I thought maybe. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, maybe it was a cyborg. Maybe maybe he had like the fucking telekinesis. Um, my point was there's a lot of weird adult actors who could probably pull it off. You know, no nobody of a funny voice should be doing Steven. I don't think. Obviously. Maybe a woman though. Sometimes women. Like, they do male characters, especially if they're supposed to be young. Yeah. I guess, there's po- I guess there's possibilities. I just know that a lot of times you get professional veteran voice actors, and they really fucking suck. Right. Maybe that's why you, like, you need a new face. A new face with, uh, with, with breasts. Or or whatever whatever genitals are available, you know, depending on who like really gets gets the picture, who be, who can be embody Stephen, who is yeah yeah yeah, who is the voice of Stephen? I mean, I like the actors they got on uh, BoJack Horseman. You know, they just got a lot of regular actors to do that role, do those roles. Some of them had funny voices, but a lot of them just did it like they just talked. You know, same thing with um, Tuca and Birdie. Oops, sorry about that. Lisa, no big deal. Because we're going to be talking about that Hollywood shit real quick. But I'll tell you what. I I did not get a chance to watch it. And I know it's been out for a minute. And do I need to go and uh, and do a binge? On... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. If you watch if you watch Bojack Horseman, it's a weird show. Like I think it's amazing. But I think the first seven... It didn't, for me, it didn't get good until the episode where they had Henry Hippopotamus on it. And this is a real thing. It's not me just making stuff up. And that was, I thought they were really kind of hard to watch until then. But it's not very far into it. It's like the seventh episode. Okay, yeah. I, I know that I have watched and enjoyed some uh, some Bojacks. But I, I didn't watch the other one, Hippopotamus Adventures. Oh. Or, <laughs> or what's the other one called? Tuca and Birdie. Tuca and Birdie was great too. It's fun. It's coming back. And then for some reason, Netflix like shot it down but then it's coming back apparently 
So we'll see. Hey, I'm, you know, Lisa doesn't need doesn't need plugs from me. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this once and once and for all. I'm gonna say, hey, Lisa, everything you did was made out of gold. So uh, be on the podcast and we can talk about the gold productions and the who, gold who the are gold you have on next? Uh, most likely Lisa the Hannibal, who's made out of gold. <laughs> who's who else is on your dream? You know your dream like roster. Shit. You know what? I'll tell you what. I love. I would love uh, a Simon Bisley. I would love Doug Mankey. Doug Mankey's my is really kind of like my ultimate dude because he has like the the cl- yeah. the clarity and the cleanness and <laughs> the expertise and. He draws guns beautifully and makes up guns beautifully. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really, it's just really graphic and kind of cartoony, but also very, um, like, it's it's it can satisfy like a mainstream cartooning fan, right? Yeah, I'll tell you what. That his um, one moment, shit. Oh, great, fuck. Yeah, his uh, the beauty, the austerity. But then also he would go extreme. It was like it was such a beautiful contrast of austerity of line, economy of line, economy of colors, all this shit. But then he would go completely extreme in the mask returns. That is the oh. uh, there's the, I mean the, there's the first mask which I love the first mask from Dark Horse. That's also Doug Mankey. Mm. But it's, it's almost it's almost uh, drawn. Almost more akin to like a Noah Van Skyver. I'll tell you what, with like some of these these beautiful backdrops and things, and almost like the colors, just a little bit more. It's not so. It's not digitized at that point, or it's digitized in a different way. So it's not super clear. There's some muddy colors. There's like some yeah, some experimental touches to it, with the first Mask miniseries with Doug Mankey, and then with uh, it comes to the Mask Returns with Doug Mankey. It's so clean. It's mm-hmm. so, it, it's precise. It's it's uh, a plastic surgeon like doing the thing. Is is everything's very surgical. And even when he goes extreme, it's within. It's encapsulated within some very austere visuals and colors, and the and it just makes it pop. So for me, the ultimate, the super inspiring comic for me was the Mask Returns. Um, in the Mask Returns, wait a minute, is it like a, was there ever a Mask Returns movie? Or is it like, it's, was it a sequel that was like a comic? Well, the Mask was a, I mean, the Mask, uh, you know, they made the fucking, the, not the Bruce Willis movie, but the, uh, who's the comedian? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. They made the Jim Carrey movie with him, and I saw that in the theater twice. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it it didn't represent, and I knew it didn't represent the comic. At all, because I was always, you know, completely privy as like a twelve-year-old. Like, I don't know, I'm sophisticated because I fucking I already watched the mask kill all these people and and <laughs> stuff things in their ass and blow their brains out and you know. What? So, is it like in Star Wars where the there the novelizations pick up where the movies left off? Is that what the Mouse Returns is? I think it was just a sequel. Did, Jim Carrey did two mask movies. Yes. That's what we're saying. Oh no 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 no! Jim Carrey did not do two mask movies. Okay, I thought he did. No, dumbers. He did two Ace Ventura's, but maybe not two masks. Oh, maybe I'm th- no. I was thinking of Ace Ventura. No, I was saying when when the mask returns is the is the sequel comic to the uh, the first mask <laughs> miniseries, 
and the mask returns. Oh shit! It was a comic first. It was a it was a com it was a comic and only. It was a comic only because like the first mask miniseries wasn't even represented in the movie that well. Just like in that very sanitized fucking kid version that we all watched in the movie with Jim Carrey. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but the uh the mask for me my Mobius or my like real fucking like the comic that really that really got me. There's like there's a couple com there's a few comics, okay? As a young kid. But that one, The Mask Returns by Doug Mankey and his coloring team, whoever they may be, because I mean Doug kind of stood out more than anybody yeah. else. That was the ultimate comic for me. And I would say I'm gonna give that the fucking suck my BB, suck my pee pee bitch bump. Becky, what was yours? What was the ultimate comic like that hit you during your um you know, your impressionable years? Uh shoot. I don't know, like how impressionable? Um like what years? Like like around the time you met me. <laughs> I lived before then. <laughs> oh man, I again I keep on saying like I'm really bad at being a fan. Like there's lots of bits and pieces, but there's nothing that I can remember you know, like looking at and just rereading and rereading and thinking like this is the be all end all. It doesn't have to be a comic, it could be I mean looking around on your shelves. You still have stuff from when you were a kid on your shelves. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say shame shame on you shame on you for not being a super fan. I, Boo. I, yeah, I know. It's alienating. <laughs> Cause I go on you know, like when I'm on podcasts I have nothing to talk about because I, I I wanna be in this hell with you, right? I want to be in the hell with, I want to be in this comic book hell with the rest of you. <laughs> I know. I'm not a fucking obsessive nerd the way you guys are. No, I am. Like we were, like we were talking off uh, mic. I am just about the wrong things. Hell yeah. Like we, we could talk about uh, Notes from the Underground or Heart of Darkness. Was there any punk rock album covers that you remember looking at and just being like, holy fucking shit when you were young? Like really young? No. She's just punk. I'm sorry, there's this word. Just punk by being punk. I think that's kind of maybe the new thing because Josh, I know what you're like saying. Like, because I had, like, the the Elder Scroll people, the, the guys that were, like, trying to, you know, uh, dispense the knowledge of the different bands and the different things that came before us and et cetera. And I'm not saying, like, disavow them or dismiss them and, and think nothing of them. But, like, some of those guys were really, like, adamant about being these... Um, I don't know, fucking these teachers. Like they want to. That's like their fucking one time to well, be that, a, that's kind a of cult a leader. Generational kind of when you feel your own cultural relevancy slipping. Oof. You yeah. kind of like grab onto this. Like, well, let me tell you how it was in my day, and like, oh, so you like this band? Well, let me tell you, I saw them. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and um, it's something that I think like everybody is susceptible to yeah because you get to an age where you realize like i'm not cool anymore i don't really know what's going on or what's what and there's all this new stuff i don't even know about 
but like when I was young in punk scenes and like art scenes, whatever, there were always these people, you know, like maybe only seven years older than me, but sometimes, you know, like 10, 15 years older than me. And it's like, it was almost like, oh, well, you're too young to know about this. Or like, oh, well, back in the day, you know, like you should have been around when the real scene was going <laughs> on and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, oh, you think this is wild. You know, let me tell you about the drugs we used to do. Right. And, you know, there's always that guy that's... Um, Who's trying to have like, sex with you. They're easy to come by. Well, they did want to have sex with 12-year-old me, um, but I'm too old for them now. So, thank, <laughs> thankfully, I dodged that bullet. Hey, check this one out. Check this one out, guys. I have to actually, I have to end this one. Otherwise, this is it's going to cut off. Like, but I can always start a new one and see if we can go for another few minutes. No, that's probably a good cutting off. Point. Oh no, I mean, no. Oh wait, I no, wait. I don't want to be the guy who's like you're looking at all the podcasts and it's like everybody else just talks for a nice discreet hour. Model as our whole, our whole like dynamic is. Yeah. Lightning in a Bottle, as recorded with the uh, the third installment of The Adventures of Joshua Bear and Hyena from Hell. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, so what left over? What haven't we covered yet? Uh, I, let's say, um, what fuck have come, we? Come, come gutters. Come gutters. I thought, weren't they come gutters like the collarbones? No. They're like the upside down collarbones. Yeah. Like if you imagine um so they're like the collarbones for your other head. They're the muscles that kind of look like an omega symbol and they come down around the bottom of your abdomen and then and right and kind of go straight into forming the triangle yeah. of the groin. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently I had a student who took me aside, I was teaching at the Met, and my students said, well, you know what we call those in the gay community? And I said, what? He goes, cum gutters. I was standing in front of like a picture of Jesus. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, so those are Jesus' with cum gutters? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm still, you know, I, I think that my brain still needs to evolve to understand even what cum gutters are. Because to me... We'll, say, we'll, we'll include with this podcast a downloadable PDF. <laughs> I need that. I need like a step by step, like because for whatever reason, it's almost like when people uh, are in shock, they they can't they can't absorb what is being presented to them as fact, right? I'm yeah. gonna draw a picture right now and send it to you via Facebook. God damn it! So, like, you, um, yeah, not everybody has cum gutters. Cum gutters are just like a certain. Visible, not everybody has visible, visible cum gutters. Cum, gut, cum gutters Any, are muscles. Anybody can be turned into a cum gutter. I mean, anybody can have cum gutters if they, if you know, they try. Yeah, of all things, to finally one to find one thing that was probably so as pedestrian as a fucking cum gutter, somehow it just isn't clicking in my head. So like now, I f- I fear that I need to have the um, preventative medicine to keep me from having Alzheimer's disease because it's not clicking in my fucking head. Why? I'm, I'm watching Josh draw you an illustration of cum gutters that he is about to send you via social media. I assume. Should, should I make this look like Victor? Yes. No, go it's ahead. Just, it's. Well, okay, yeah, sure. I was going to say it's just making it take longer. Victor, do you have any tattoos? 
Uh, yeah, I have a tattoo, a giant tattoo of a crucifix that turns into a swastika, that turns into a burning cross, that turns into a peace sign, that turns into your name. Fuck you, Victor. <laughs> that was really good. I love you, man. That's like the only reason why I said it. That's the only reason why I said it. That should be the intro to the show, like every week. Fuck you, Victor. Yeah. So I'm gonna send you two versions. One is uh, one has the drawing, and one I outlined to come gutters in red. Once you see it, you won't unsee it. But, so yeah. But will you forgive me that I went back into time with my time machine and my Nazi regalia, and I was over there just uh, you know putting all the gas in the chambers and and laughing it up, being just alt-right as can be. Can you still forgive me for that? No. Josh. I mean, I was asking Josh. You're being you're being upright as can be. No, um No, what back, what Hyena said. You know what? Actually, I agree with her because I'm going to c- condemn myself knowing what I said was wrong. But what else can I say that's wrong? I mean every other thing. Okay. You're the you're the, you're the monster, right? That's what they were trying to tell me when they disabled my accounts on Instagram twice. <laughs> Merry Christmas to us all. And yeah, I, how what else can we uh, we can tap into that would So years ago, as I've mentioned Ozzy Osbourne before. So years ago I was watching Letterman. Or I was watching a rerun of Letterman, actually. So it was either years after it happened. Letterman, like Ozzy, was on Letterman in the '80s, and just talking about how like how fucked up people always are. And he said Letterman's like joking with me. He's like, "Oh, did you ever think about doing anything else besides being a rock star?" And Ozzy's like, "Like what?" And he goes, "Oh, being a lawyer." And he goes, "No, I couldn't. My nose was the wrong shape." And he kind of taps the side of his nose, mm. and, and I'm like. And Letterman didn't catch it? Well, that's the question. Did because he... that's, that's one of the oldest, 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 like, derot, like, yes. quote-unquote, you know, like, veiled yeah. anti-Semitic things. Oh, it's like, ah, oh, well, I think his nose uh, is the wrong shape. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Letterman knew exactly what he was saying. Oh, he had to have. And, and could get away with not just saying, well, I'm not being baited by this. But by actually ignoring it, you know, it was like he's gaslighting all these fucking Jewish people watching it who know that they're nobody's saying. Is it wrong of me to say that it was a different time? It, it was, it, but it wasn't. Because I mean, I, it was like the 80s. The 80s was not like. Still, like, you know. It, it wasn't like, oh, you know, it was the, it was the 1920s. It, it was like the 1950s. It was. It totally was a different time. And it's true that you can go on, watch Saturday Night Live from fucking seven years ago. And on the same episode, you can sing skit. You can see Bill Hader playing Japanese black, playing yellow face in a skit with Fred Armiston playing in blackface. Like you can see, Fred uh, Bill Hader regularly played the Japanese Prime Minister, and Fred Armiston would regularly play Obama, and nobody fucking raised an eyebrow. Yeah, I guess it's just how you do it, and who's watching, and who's complaining. So it's not even well, about. I, I think it's yeah. a lot of it is who gets to complain, who gets yeah. listened to when they complain. 
I feel like sometimes they don't deserve to complain. I feel like some people can just kind of just jump right in there and start to complain, and they'll complain just to complain and not because they care, but because they can wield some power well, that's, you know, over that's somebody. Part of you know, kind of like this whole social media, like the where you start having these thought pieces, and then well, this is a thought piece that's the backlash to the thought piece yeah, yeah, of yeah. the back. Yeah. It's like there it is true that like, especially people who are like all up and only getting their news on Facebook or from like cable TV. It's like it behooves certain people to stir up shit to get people like, you know, upset about shit that doesn't really actually matter. Um, and that's one thing. But the other thing is like. You know, if you're not a certain type of person, you have been putting up with these derogatory comments your entire fucking life. Just, just, just say fuck you, Victor. Just say fuck you, Victor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck, fuck you, Victor. Wait. No, I, I, I love the idea of like the derogatory uh, terms throughout your life. I oh, love yeah. that. Well, yeah, it's like, who gets to complain about something, you know? Um, and it's like, you know, long short of the story, if you're some, like, fucking wasp straight dude with enough money, nobody gets to complain about anything you fucking do. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And everybody else has gotten fucking tired of it. I gotta, I gotta alert my white friends. I gotta tell them, hey... Everyone else is coming for you, my white friends. But what yeah, is there, is there a wasp? Wait, well, wasp is what? White wasp. Protestant? White Protestant? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I guess there's enough of them. I don't know. Well, you know, like look, the... look, look. If this happened, if that fucking Letterman bit happened in 2020, Ozzy would be. He'd fucking say that, and then to be, he'd fucking realize what he had done. And the next day, he'd be like, I have to go to law school. It's the only way out of this mess. What? And then fucking you have, like, it would be like, it would be like that Rodney Dangerfield movie, except he's like Ozzy, he's like back in school because he's like, because he can't get away with making like blatant anti-rate, anti-Semitic. And so film. then the finale is they bring in the ostrich and that is as penance for his wrongdoing he has to bite the head off the ostrich. And the ostrich and has, has breast implants. What kind of kangaroo cord is this? Bam, and, then, bam, bam. and then the like the punchline is all the security guys he hired to help him with the ostrich turn out to be Jewish guys, and they just like step the fuck back and like fold their arms and all look at each other. And then Ozzy gets fucked up with the ostrich, and then he goes to rehab just like Johnny Cash. And finds Jesus and does Nine Inch Nails covers. I'm into it. Does he do Nine Inch Nails covers? He did a cover of Hurt. I bought into it. Johnny Cash did, you're right. That's what I'm saying. So Ozzy's... (laughs) I'm bringing this full circle. Yeah, yeah. Look, you made me think that Ozzy had done a Johnny Cash, a a Nine Inch Nails cover. You might have. He did Beatles covers, which you hate him for. Beetlejuice. I hate Ozzy for a lot of stuff. He's not a good person. I want to see Ozzy bite bite more animal heads off. I want to see the ostrich. I want to see his eyeball. Wait, 
My goddamn fucking phone. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. We are doing record times with our podcast and talking with Hyena the Hell and Joshua Bear. Um, and Victor Cairo. Is it Cairo or Cairo? You can, I mean, it's Cairo, but I kind of like it when people say Cairo, to be honest. That's the only time you've ever said Cairo, Josh. Yeah, because that's I'm not really usually listening to myself. You yeah. always say Cairo, except for this one time. Yeah, because I always just let it come out, and then, like, being <laughs> you, in, you overthought it. Yeah, being in the great man's presence. I think it's good, you know? Like, we, we can yeah, hang. We're hanging well, out. Let's, let's take it to the callers. Okay, caller number one says, Joshua the Bear, uh, what was it like the first time that you uh, met eyes with Victor Cairo? That's from Alex the Neil. What's the question? Was the first time I what laid eyes on him? Yeah, when you laid Did eyes you when you laid eyes on uh, Baby Vic. Um, didn't we meet at the? Didn't we meet? We either met at the old cartoon, cartoon like commune place that you lived at, or we met at the comic the comic museum place where you might have been reading. Oh, you met me at Matthew Thurber, the genius super cartoonist, perhaps one of the greatest cartoonists that's ever lived. Yeah, yeah, I love Matthew Thurber. He is. He's he's a son of a bitch and a number one. So I tell I tell people that all the time. Every time people put a gun in my mouth and they say, "Fisher Cairo, tell the world that you're the best cartoonist in the world." I said, "Nope, I won't." And they say, if you don't tell us that you're the greatest, we're going to fucking blow your brain out. I said, no, it's Matthew fucking Thurber. And they usually, and they leave me alone because Matthew Thurber is probably the best, one of the best of our indie alt world of comics. So, they, they just pull guns on you in this scenario? Did they ever try to, are there any other like violent overtures? Oh sure, sure. I mean, like, it's like that. It's it's an over numbering. You know, like I'm 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 outgunned. So yeah, whatever they, weapon they choose. They get me. It's, it takes at least at least at least ten people to sub, subdue me. So they got ten people on staff. They're subduing me, and they're trying to tell me who the who the greatest is, who's working. Victor, let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah, and you can edit this part out if it's like you know if I'm pushing. The bounds of privacy. When you were talking to Alex Graham, why you were so private about the job you used to have, where you were a cook and you were working with um, working with a certain demographic, that sounded really positive. I mean, is it like you you can't talk about that more? Oh yeah, you just like you can only offer so many details when you're working within a community that has the the HIPAA laws. So like it's not like I I have many stories I could I mean God damn it you know I could speak to the moon in the back about anything that's ever happened in my life, but with that it's like you can only say so much and you really are not allowed to to offer much more information and it's not like I'm a I'm a pussy for not like offering it it's like they could take legal action if you offer more information than than is allowed. Um, 
but people don't need to know what city it was in. As long as they don't know the city, it's okay to just say that you did, you you did work with the, with um, you know, people who have, I don't know, what would you call that community? Uh, intellectually, intellectually, oh, intellectually disadvantaged community. So okay. that's like that's that's the complete reality of it. So this this was a place for people who were like. Uh, mentally disabled it wasn't a place for people who had like emotional problems per se i would say per se these people benefited from the aid of individuals who are are willing to work in the community to work with people who need some assistance that is yeah. uh, uh needed for them to yeah. live a life that is marginally like a normal person's life and so independent independent you want to make it you want to make it as much like a life as possible that's the idea you know they, they have different they have different words for it and uh paragraphs for it but i'll tell you the the the, uh, the simplest way is that you make a life that's like a human life that's what you want to do for our friends <laughs> <laughs> For our friends, you know, you want to make a human life. Can Victor? Can you and I make a life together? As friends, yeah, we can make a human life. Can we make? Can we make a human life? What do you can mean? Is, is this supposed to be like one of those uh, uh, phobic questions? You know, like where you think that uh, a male and a male can't make a life together. Are you trying to tell me yeah. that I can't come inside your balls and make a baby? Is that what you're trying to tell me? You phobic son of a bitch. Are you a phobie? Oh, you must be one of those phobers. Oh, okay. Hate hate monger? Hate monger much? Just kidding. I love you, man. We would have such a beautiful child together, Victor. I think we would... Who would carry the child in their ball sack is what I'm wondering. I think he might have bigger Jew balls. (laughs) Tell me more about because okay, I listen to all your podcasts, but you used to be, you were friends with the great actor, um, the man, Maniac Cop. What, what's that man's name again? Robert Zadar. He's no longer with us. No longer with us, man. And I, I tell you what, I'm going to say that I fucking, I love that guy. And it was insane yeah. that I even fucking knew him. Because, yeah. it, it, no, it was beyond weird that I fucking knew him and was in close proximity with him. And like changing his bandages and doing this fucking goofy shit with him, doing home care. Yeah, it was fucking weird. Wow. What, why did he need bandages? He had multiple infections in his legs that, oh, that that came about from. Well, he was an alcoholic, and I get like you know drinking alcohol every day because I kind of do that a little bit when I don't, and sometimes I fucking drink, and sometimes I I don't do it for a while. So like right mm-hmm. now, obviously, I had a couple of drinks. But I'm going to tell you what, with Robert Zadar, he was a super drinker. He drank mm. he drank a ton of alcohol, a ton of whiskey, black velvet in the bottle, junky plastic, uh, plastic bottle, that. Um, great guy, funny. Yeah. Like, really intelligent and was a musician. Worked with bands, like worked, uh, did like open for fucking Jefferson Starship back in the day. Did jingles, made a living doing musical commercials for product 
okay? But alcohol uh, really took its toll on the guy. And so even, you know, when I knew him in his weaker days, in his last days, his last few years, uh, he was still amazing and still beautiful and still a great guy. But, I mean, his weakness was was very prevalent. And I, I did not feed him uh, substances to make him fucked up. He found- I mean, at that point, though, like, once you get to that stage of alcoholism, you know, there's not really anything you can do but let the person do what they want. Um, and he did. And he did. Yeah, just try not, you know, I had a friend who passed away from, you know, alcohol, like, succumbed to his alcoholism. And, you know, you, you can't tell people anything. You just try to, like, not judge them and try to, like, keep them from hurting themselves as much as you can. And, that's what my Josh Bear always told me. He said, Vic, whatever you do, just don't tell me you're drinking. So right now I'm drinking, but don't tell Josh. Well, uh, I think it's great that you, I think the hidden side of, visit, of Victor Cairo, that, he, <laughs> that, that you, that you, have this, you have this long track record of helping people. I love people, man. You know that I do. Um, as artists, there's also so few ways. You got to get a niche where you can make money. How about that loving people niche where I make money off of loving people? <laughs> come I on. I pay from loving people. Josh, come on, man. Let's make some money <laughs> off of loving some people. <laughs> I think that could be like a good. Would you guys market yourself as, you know, a team? Man, I think that we could do it because Josh is probably one of the more, I mean, aside from Hyena the Hell, who, I, as far as I can see, a powerhouse of a cartoonist. I'll yeah, tell you, awesome. yeah. I'm going to tell you what about this Josh, this Josh Bear guy, though, that you're. Yeah, let me tell me about him. I'll tell you what, man, he's pretty strong. He's pretty bold. He's got these explosive powers with his cartooning. He really lets it go. I don't even want to even say it too much because I don't want to make him too um, self-conscious about it. But I'm going to say what? That this guy, he's a real son of a bitch and one of the best. Yeah, I'm a, yeah I got to be natural. You see what happens when I think. You pronounce things wrong. I, I, yeah, I go from saying Cairo to saying Cairo, which is like not, which is not right. No, you were saying Cairo and you... Decided to say Cairo, and now you'll forever be questioning which one is right. That's just good, yeah. So, Consciousness is a disease. It is, kind of. Well, you got, the, you guys, the, yes. We should go, We should cut it off here. All right. I love you. I'm so glad we did this talk together. I wanted to do this for a while. Um, and, like, since last night when I discovered how fucking awesome your <laughs> podcast is. <laughs> And I'm a big fan of what you're doing. All right, folks. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of you, Josh Bear. I'm a big fan of you, Hyena Hell. And I'm glad that we've all been able to just get together and have this conversation and talk and just be loose and be free. And uh, We can talk a couple more minutes, but uh, we should probably get off the... Oh, off the... Like, like, okay. I mean, we'll let, we'll let the callers you know, decide when they want to have me back. But I don't want to be the guy who's talking for three hours when well, everybody we're already, else. We should, we should say goodnight because we're already that guy. Yeah, so goodnight. All right. <laughs> but we should like, go off mic now. Okay, we'll I'll go. Yeah. Peace out afterwards.
I'm, yeah, I'm a fucking boomer with this shit. Okay, so I'm going to say the official good night is in yep. 10 seconds. So. Fuck you, Victor. Fuck you, Victor. Fuck you. Merry Christmas. Nine. Eight. Seven. Meow. Meow nine. Six. Meow seven. Victor, thanks again for doing this. Four. And then one. All right. Love you guys. Yep. Um, love you. Bye.